Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, started training in martial arts at age 16, currently holds a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo and a blue belt in Jiu-Jitsu. He serves in the Alabama National Guard and has been part of building a repelling charity to help and assist youth and teens in need, Tuscaloosa Youth for Christ. The way I found him is because of, he's a current competitor in one of my favorite TV shows, American Ninja Warrior. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Devin Collins. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. Doing great. It's a pleasure, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for taking the time. I, I truly appreciate it. So what we like to do with all my guests, I want to go back to the beginning. I want to find out what led to that first interest. Where did that first spark about martial arts come from for you? Yeah, absolutely. So my story is about as typical as any other kid that's interested in martial arts. They start watching, you know, various TV shows, you know, namely for me. You know, back then you had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers. Yep. I would always hack out those moves. And, you know, there really wasn't any outlet from where I came from, which is a small town here in Alabama called Uniontown. Mm-hmm. And we really, we had none of that around here. So oh, okay. it was a bit of a challenge for me to grow upon that interest and to really, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's always, it's always been so much of a passion to me. So, okay. So how old when you first had the interest to when you actually got to join a school? How long, how long before that happened? That started when at the age of 16, so summer 15, I, when I moved over to Tuscaloosa, okay. I happened to find out it was in the newspapers and everything. Flyers and brochures started going out that, hey, you know, there's a martial arts center literally five miles down the road from where I stayed at. Nice. Which was Tiger Rock Martial Arts uh, Field Crest. Okay. And I took a class throughout the summer, and since then, we had that orientation. It just clicked. I mean, I really felt that this, this it just felt right being a part of that class. And okay. It was just, you know, almost like a love at first sight type of thing. Was there anything specific that you remember that really stood out that you're just like, wow, I have to keep doing this? Just to be able to, you know, kick and punch. It was <laughs> really the big thing for me because mm-hmm. you know, how to have somebody teach you how to do that, you know, effectively and to, you know, learn a discipline that really is what stood out to me. And it was just like, wow, and to be able to, you know, do that stuff. I would also watch the more senior students and how they would, you know, carry themselves or they would do different techniques. And that really inspired me. Okay. Namely, best friend of mine at the time was, uh, well, always still is, but car shorter. He was one of the ones I really like looked up to and just to have him there, you know, serving as a role model and at the same time having a plan to really train with that really, you know, shot my interest up. Okay. What are some things that you remember about that first instructor that kind of stand out? 
maybe, you know, if you've, you, obviously you've trained with a few different instructors over the years. What, what kind of stands out about that first one? Some things that you remember? Absolutely. It's how they, you know, how they really bring about their personalities within teaching. You know, also that serves as a mantra for me to really, you know, teach in a way that really keeps the kids engaged and, you know, they keep them, our goal with every class is to have our students smiling, sweating, and learning. So it's really about using that, using our own personality to really bring out the best in that student to say, hey, you know, I see something in you. Let's see what we can do to really bring that out. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rare. I mean, it's, uh, unfortunately, there's, there's, not every instructor is great, but when you find a great one, it's, uh, you, you definitely want to hold on to them for sure. Absolutely. So at any point then, did you, did you get involved into the competition side of things? Yes. So as a matter of fact, my very first competition started at Yellowville. Oh, okay. It was a national tournament in Birmingham, Alabama at the BJCC. So okay. a big conference center that everybody goes to for events and things. Mm-hmm. But that very first competition that ever happened, that really said something to me. It really combined, you know, my passions of what I love, you know, just be able to, again, do what I know, do what I normally do in martial arts at that high performing level to be seeing everybody else do the same thing. And just to participate in different competitions, namely our forms at our rank, we had our traditional patterns that we had to do. That's, you know, combo work, who looks the best when doing that while judging on essence principles throughout the martial art and the agility course. Okay. The big thing that I saw where it was like tall obstacles for, you know, students to climb across, big hurdles, all of those things. And seeing someone do a flash kick, which is pretty much basically you do a backflip with a kick. I was just like, wow, where can I learn, you know, where can I learn how to do that? How can nice. I develop stuff like that? Even? Okay. Wow. That's good. So now, now when you competed, then did you do forms? Did you do sparring? Did you do weapons? What did you all compete in? So as a yellow belt and you work your way up through the belt rank system. Yep. So my belt rank system is laid out. You start at white belts, go to yellow belt, and then there's three levels of each belt color. So there's three of green, three of blue, three of brown, three of red. Then once you get to black belt, those levels go, they imitate similar to the color belt ranks. Mm-hmm. But now things get a little bit, you know, more intensive and, you know, judges going to be looking for a lot more. Right. So at that rank, what I did was the traditional form. And then what we called it at our time, at our time was our one-step sparring. Okay. So these are different. There's about three to four different strikes on a take, you know, a partner right in front of you, and who really has the better technique while doing those. Okay. So I know we didn't really have that contact there, but it was to imitate that contact of similar to sparring. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I've never seen that for. I mean, I, I've actually yeah, I've studied Taekwondo too, but I've never actually seen that in a competition. That's kind of cool. It'd be kind of fun to see. Absolutely. So now was yours, with the school you were at, was it more on the traditional side, more on the sports side, or was it kind of a even right down the middle? So with our martial art, what we do is we cycle between two different cycles and our competition cycle and our tactical cycle. Okay. Which is where we're not really the sport taekwondo that you see in the Olympics mm-hmm. per se, but what we do is you know, there, you still see some of those athletic types of kicks there, but we present it in a way that still sticks to more of, you know, what's really tactical 
you know, going on how attack the cycle, which is really, really what we focus on with real life self defense. Interesting. So, what, which the style of Taekwondo is it? Which like which Quan is it under? Which organization is it under? So it is under Cyberhawk Martial Arts. Okay. We have over 150 locations within the U.S. Oh wow! And our roots can be directly traced to the Korean Lock Army. Oh, okay. Very cool. So which uh, which traditional forms do you guys do? We have our own pattern, oh. which mainly of our martial art is the Hoan pattern. Okay. Which means like which translates to Tiger Rock in Korea. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm intrigued. I want to just because I, I've studied my style of, of Taekwondo since 1992, but I've also delved into other s- systems and stuff. It's the first time I've heard about your system, really, and, and heard much about it, so I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'll have to do a little more research and watch some videos and stuff. I always like learning about kind of the sister styles that are connected like that and everything, but it just sounds, uh, sounds very cool. It's kind of fun. Now, at, at any level, then, you started co- competing at a yellow belt. At any level, did you start teaching? Was that something that you got into? I started getting experience with teaching when I became a red belt. Okay. So this is where you're getting close to becoming a black belt where you can, at a time when I was training at the red belt level, we were called assistant instructors during that time. Mm-hmm. So we would help warm up the class, you know, anything that needs to be done with the student, we can pull them aside, give them a little quick word to, you know, reintegrate them into the class structure where the main instructor is actually teaching. And just to put out, you know, whatever fires there are, the student has their, you know, belt coming off while they're training, you know, we pull them to the side, we fix the belt, we, you know, get them back in the class. Okay. So our job at that point was to really make the instructor's job a lot easier. Nice. Okay. And did you, did you enjoy that? Was that something you kind of something, you know, some people, a lot of instructors, they just have everyone help, but not everyone kind of gets drawn to the teaching. Is that something you enjoyed and kept doing or? Absolutely. It was, you know, that was really the wheels that started to get turned to where once I was starting working with smaller groups of people that really helped, again, that really helped bring me out of my show to really deliver my personality better to the students and, you know, keep them engaged. And so, you know, just to see the smiles on the students' faces, that really makes your day. Nice. And then did you also keep competing throughout that time? Is that, did you stick with that also? I absolutely, absolutely did. Okay. So with that, you know, I started sparring at the rank of green one. And I really, you know, again, with the sparring competition, that's where I, you know, fell in love with it even further. Very first time I actually got into sparring, you know, with any student, they have a little fear about, you know, you know, how does sparring actually play out? Right. You know, does we do things in a controlled manner where, you know, there's, Six inches of contact without an attempt to block it gets considered a point. So I worked with one of the instructors that really helped build my confidence up with that. And it was, I mean, it was really a phenomenal experience. Okay. And you said that that first tournament you did was a national one. Did you do a lot more national ones over the years? Yes. So with Saginaw, we have three tournaments a year. Okay. What happens is that in November, we often have or September, November, that time frame, we normally have our districts, which are our three local academies competing in one area. Then we move over to our nationals, which becomes a little bit more bigger. And we have more schools that are typically within the state. They all come together. And then our world tournaments, this is where, you know, the, the event of the event that takes place. Essentially, all of the Tiger Rock schools within the nation are coming to converge in that one central location okay. where everybody competes there's different events such as you know the weapons team sparring and it's it's really a blast 
So what, which is your favorite thing to compete in? <laughs> my, very, my favorite thing to compete in. I always love our extreme weapons competition. Mainly okay. It's called XP, extreme performance. So this is where, you know, you have the trickers coming in. We're working with weapons. And I brought a style to myself where back then when we had, we trained with four different weapons. So okay. we have our swords, commas, bow staff, and then the nunchucks. Okay. Everybody was used to training with one sword. When they compete, they would compete with one sword. So I started following this guy, Calvin Shoka, and I saw his style where he actually used double swords. So I felt that I was kind of the first one that really implemented that within Tiger Rock. And since then, since I competed with double swords, now I see at this day and age, everybody else likes to do that as well. <laughs> Your trendsetter. So, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, just to be a part of that, it really, you know, I, I love helping the other, you know, other students grow throughout the process. Okay. So, so I, I was going to answer my next question, which is your favorite weapon to compete with? So I'm assuming the double swords. <laughs> double swords, absolutely. So is there any weapon then that you guys don't have that you've maybe seen, whether in other tournaments or you know, movies or that you'd love to learn that you guys don't currently train with? Weapons I currently train with on the side for, you know, just my own person or mm-hmm. the rope dart. So oh, okay. another one of my favorite weapons It's about a metal spike Typically, I mean, typically blunts it to be used for, you know, pressure point manipulation, pressure point strikes in close range. It's attached to a long rope. So you may seem like you may have seen the you know, Chinese martial artists. They normally use that whenever they do, you know, their patterns with their weapon. OK, interesting. Yeah, that one. I'm not I'm not super familiar with that one, but I'll have to check that out. And that's I know my 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 go to is always the bow staff and the nunchuck. Those are my two favorite. I, I'm not I, I'm opposite either. I'm not a fan of I mean, I like watching competition. I'm, I don't like competing myself. It's just never been my thing. But I love watching other people do it. <laughs> so much fun. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll give another one. We also would have our team XP competitions. Now, this is the you know, this is the hype of the hype when you know, back when I back when I was really competing with that, you know, again, Carl Shorter was like my best friend throughout this process. Okay. He still is that. But uh he and I literally would bring so much of the creativity to what we did team XP and this really exploded as well. So he and I we always have a thing for, you know, video games, Mortal Kombat, you know, all of that stuff, Tekken, Street nice. Fighter. And we literally would yeah. draw inspiration from those games, uh, various anime as well. And we would put stuff like that within our forms. So this is where you really get creative with the team XP. Nobody knows what form you're going to do. So it's really more of a collaborative effort. It's really a free design mm-hmm. with your partner. Interesting. So at one point where we did our competition, you know, we would be at one, we would be standing side by side, you know, like on Dragon Ball Z, if you've seen that, where mm-hmm. you have like Golden and Trunks, they do the little fusion dance. So we implemented that within our form and that drove everybody wild because they were catching references and like people were just seeing it everywhere. And it was just like, we want to like start doing stuff like that. Nice. That's really cool. So do you have um, like videos of, of some of this stuff online? I can you know, put links for people to check out. Absolutely. I'll get a chance to post that one up. Okay. So in that, I will still have to find some more of the stuff. Okay. It's, it's everywhere. I yeah, really just, yeah. Send me, send me a few links before the episode comes out and I'll, I'll definitely post them so people can check that out. So it'd be cool. Absolutely. It's always fun to check out stuff like that. So then how did you first uh, become a, a fan of American Edge Warrior and, and, and how did it kind of lead to you competing finally? Yeah. 
So this started when I got to first degree black belt. When I was in class, well, getting ready to start with the younger students at one point, I was just getting ready to do some warm-ups on a pull-up bar that just got recently installed at the time. And I just did a couple of pull-ups and I was, you know, just playing around with the bar. I tried getting my knees up. And when I did, I threw my knees up, but then my hands, I got to the point where my knees were touching the bar. My hands were completely up. I mean, I'm at this point just, you know, just in the air about it. Yep. And I catch myself back down. I did a couple of them. And then I had a student get my attention. It's like, hey, that's one of the obstacles on American Ninja Warrior, the Salma Ladder. <laughs> so, I mean, I've always loved the show. Okay. Love watching, you know, the competitors go through it. But then once that student said that I felt that maybe it's time for me to actually see how far I could take that. So then what led to that process? Like how long before that, from that time to when you actually got on, how much different type of training did you do over how long of a period of time? Yeah. So what happened was I started to, you know, started doing more research, you know, where can I actually train to be an American Indian warrior? You know, how can I get involved with the process? So I found out that every year, you know, their casting open opens up where people can put in, submit your application to production along with a two to three minute video explaining about who you are, you know, what are your challenges? What do you do? You know, what kind of things do you overcome? So I started training at, uh, we only have like one ninja gym in the state of Alabama, which is in Huntsville, in the Optical Academy. Okay. And so one day I asked my instructor, could I take off on a Wednesday or so to go over and, you know, go train at the academy? So I did that, took off over there, got in, got registered, you know, started to meet people. And literally, I know there were two ninjas that have been on the show, Megan Diller and Lizzie Eskudin. Oh, nice. Started talking to them, and I was just like, wow, this is this, all this is crazy. Compare like the training for that to like your martial arts training. I mean, obviously, it's completely, completely different, but I mean, like what type of martial arts skills came in handy when you were training for the show? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just having the footwork of martial arts really helps things. And, you know, kind of what I found out is that when they really go hand in hand together, you know, you, there's always a saying that, you know, you can develop to be good at martial arts. You can pretty much learn anything else. It's really about applying principles of just basic movement to navigate through an obstacle. When I first started training in Ninja, when I was over there at Ninja Obstacle Academy, the manager there, Justin Andrew Moore, I mean, like, I would talk to this guy and he would have a science to each and any obstacle that you do. He literally can break it down to a science of how you move your body to navigate through it. And once I heard his wisdom on that, it was just like, why don't I take what you said and apply that in martial arts? So that really helped. It helped open my mind so much more to what I could do on the martial arts side, you know, to better help a student with the technique to show them how can they move their body in a certain way that really clicks and they understand it as well. Okay. And then had you, was this the first year you actually submitted and tried to get in? So I have over the process of, I've been training in Ninja Warrior for currently five years. Okay. Took me four years to get on. Okay. Just applying at the end of every year, you know, if you don't get the call, I mean, your call is that ticket to, you know, they invite you on the show. You don't get the call. It's just, hey, you pick yourself up by the bootlaces and try again next year. Okay. So every every year, you know, I will apply. And I'll, I'll leave. I'll tell you this as well. 
this was really this really helped click when I've been applying through the process. So the very first time I tried to apply, this was for season 10 of American Indian Warrior. I literally had everything planned out throughout the casting website, put in all of my information, explained who I am and all of those things, submitted a two, three minute video. And when I went to sleep that night, I had this dream to where I found myself going across one of the cliffhangers on the show. I saw myself like looking at a long body of water in front of me, big flashing lights. It was nighttime. And there was this wall to the left of me with red cliffhangers all along it. Like the wall was inverted. There was some mm-hmm. inversion on the walls there. And I found myself just climbing through the ops. I get halfway through it and I look behind me and I see my instructors all in the audience, kids, friends, family, they're all there in the audience cheering me on. So I make it through the op school and then fast forward later, I found myself walking to a beach. And when I got there, it was sunset. I saw that people were like ninjas were playing volleyball. There were there was a bonfire. Somebody was playing guitar and this felt so real. Okay. I woke up and I was just like, please let me go back to sleep. Like this feel is dream again. <laughs> but here's the kicker to that. So season 10 of America Ninja Warrior, guess where they actually held a qualifier? Don't remember actually. It was Daytona Beach, Florida. <sighs> okay. Nice. So this is like that's that said something to me. Mm-hmm. That really said something to me. And ever since then, after you know, year after year, I will always hear this voice when I my submit my application. Don't stop. Keep going. Don't okay. quit. What I would just always hear it, whether it's somebody in passing saying something or like, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you just feel like, you no, know, something's calling out to you to keep, you know, keep applying and going throughout the process. So then January 25th, 2022, I was just doing some computer work for my instructor, putting together a video for him. And I get a text message from one of the producers of American Ninja Warrior. He's like, hey, this is so-and-so for American Ninja Warrior. Are you available? I can give you a call for a quick second. So at this point, my eyes wide. I'm like, this is it. This is it. This is it. So I get on, I throw some clothes, I step outside and I take the call. So then he was like, hey, is this Devin Collins? I was like, yes, sir, this is. I would like to inform you that for season 14 of American Ninja Warrior, you've gotten the call. We'd like to invite you on the show. And at this point, I'm just like over the top with this. Like, I mean, I, I, some neighbors were nearby. And I was like, I just shouted at the top of my lungs. They're like, you're okay. Like, I just got the call <laughs> to compete on American Ninja Warrior. That's awesome. Talk about a dream come true. And that's... Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So now, now for some of the fans who don't understand, now I, I went to a taping a couple of years ago. I think it was 2017 or 2018 I went to a taping. Now, do they still film overnight or do, have they changed that? So this season, things did change. I mean, now they, instead of having thing out, you know, having everything outside, they had it within, what we competed was sending some to Texas, the Alamo Dome. Yep. So it was a, you know, controlled environment there where, you know, Everything was set up, and it was, once I got there, it was just, wow, this is it. Okay, that's kind of cool. So then, other than now, have you done any, like, the local or regional obstacle course type competitions, or were you pretty much just focused on getting on American Ninja Warrior? So, yes, absolutely. Throughout the process of me, you know, even, you know, applying on, I would always, you know, compete within different Ninja Warrior competitions within, you know, 
neighboring states such as Georgia, that's where I had my very first Ninja Warrior. No, I took the back. It actually happened in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Okay. Murphy, yes, Murfreesboro, Tennessee at 45 Fitness. This is my very first American Ninja Warrior competition that I've been a part of. Okay. And since then, I've been competing in Georgia's Ninja Quest. And also as well, namely, the biggest ninja gym in the U.S. would be Ultimate Backyard Warrior in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Okay. So this is a, this event, this well, competition really turns into a huge, huge community day for all the ninja warriors. Right. Cook, the owner of the place, he hosts, you know, he brings out musicians, you know, to have live music. There's good food. Everybody, you know, everybody's out there supporting everybody. Okay. So he only does, you know, raffles for cars. Like this guy is like, he's, he's an amazing person to, you know, put all of this together. And really, you know, when I look at American Ninja Warrior and how everybody supports everybody, you know, Mike Cook is the prime example of that. It really shows that when you're there and anybody can be a part of this as well. So right. it's not just reserved for Ninja Warriors. It could be anybody who wants to be a part of it as well. They could go there, get experience with the process, and see how the community actually is. And now you're so your run on the on the the one that actually aired on TV. You felt was it shattered panes was the obstacle. Yeah. Okay, how many obstacles did you get through? So there were a total of six obstacles within a qualifying course. Okay, the shattered panes was the second obstacle. Okay, and normally obstacles that get out of a lot of ninjas we have this term that we call ninja killers yep so the shadow paintings it happened to be one of them as well as the final frontiers you know, the you've seen that where there's like these like planoid like rings where you have to take this t-bar to be able to hop them across from planet to planet but the shadow paintings it really was a new twist on things and to have gone out on the op school, you know, I was I was really relieved that, you know, to really be there in the first place. Oh, yeah. I mean, just to get there. I mean, that's... Absolutely. And so, you know, now looking at that, that just gives me another op school to accomplish next time, you know, uh, hopefully get the call to compete again. Yeah. And I, I'm looking at it, if I'm, if I'm counting right, 10 people fell on that obstacle. So that's, yeah. I, I remember that now that was, that definitely was a tougher one. It took down some big names too. So you're in, you're in good company there. So now that was going to be my next question. Now did, since you got to compete this year, that's not automatic for next year. You got to apply again and you got to hope they give you another call. Yes. Okay. So I think those come a little bit easier. Right. But again, you know, just as the big name ninjas, they all have to apply, resubmit the videos. And, you know, again, really, you know, selling your story out there, telling about who you are and some fun qualities about you. And it's really about showing that to the audience and everybody. Okay. That's cool. And I'll definitely be watching again next year and, and cheering. And hopefully you'll, hopefully you'll be on there. And who knows, maybe uh, in a couple of years, we'll have you back on the show as the American Ninja Warrior champion. When you, when you, when you count, when you climb Mount Midoriyama, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I, I, I wish this show would have been around when I was younger. I really do. <laughs> I probably would have, I probably would have attempted it, but I'm, I'm definitely too old and too many injuries at this point. But, and I, I shouldn't say that cause I see, you know, what, who was the one guy that competed like a week or two ago that was like 50 or 60 or something. So <laughs> it was actually, so John Luby, he's one of the yeah. ninjas I always see over at UDW. Like the guy is super awesome. Like he literally, he had his 70th birthday. So that's crazy. Guy, he competes just like everyone else. So 
That's it inspirational. Really, yeah, very. So what is, from watching it over the years and also competing, what is one obstacle that you think would be really useful in a martial arts school as, as far as part of the workout for doing stuff? What, what's one, If you could pick one obstacle to put in a martial arts school you're training at, what do you think would be the best one? That is a great question. Actually, it's a great question. So what I would suggest would be, you know, it's really something a little bit more upper body, you know, namely a bar mm-hmm. is, you know, a basic, you know, piece of equipment that you can use. Yeah, My first thought was salmon ladder. I was just curious what other people thought. So, <laughs> yeah. So I would say that would be one, would be something that imitates the salmon ladder. That would be a great obstacle to practice on. Like, you know, it's, you know, since we're, everybody's in, you know, with martial arts, you know, you really get so great with your balance and everything. But yes, I would say, that would be that would be accurate to have you know a bar or some you know some something imitating that samurai. Okay, it'd be fun. I'm hoping we'll start seeing it. I know. See, we're you know I, I live in uh, in Moorhead, Minnesota, which is across the river from Fargo, North Dakota. And up until about three years ago, we had no ninja training gyms, no obstacle course gyms. I think right before COVID, we had a couple that started opening up. But wow. yeah, I know, and it, it's. You know, and I know we've even had, I think we had one person who actually competed from North Dakota on the show a couple of years ago, but yeah, I, I thought that would have sparked the interest. And even when they, they filmed in Minnesota, when I, when I went and watched the show and I thought it would have sparked more interest and stuff. And there was one person right before COVID was talking about opening a big one and, and it, uh, I'm guessing COVID shut that down, unfortunately, but uh, right. Yeah, it'd be because I, I know my son at one point wanted to do it, and then of course there was no place to train, so he lost interest. So, <laughs> well, no, I mean, COVID was a big, it was a big hit to everybody. You yeah, know? And we could normally go out and to be able to train at different ninja gyms. So, I mean, which I was really thankful. I went when I around the time I started ninja, I reached out to what I didn't actually know was that hey, there was a ninja warrior training right in my hometown. Oh wow. Tuscaloosa. It was cases through hockey. They call them the Bama Ninja. Okay. So when I first started training, which was over there at Nin- Ninja Obstacle Academy, just as you more tells me, he's like, hey, there's actually a ninja in Tuscaloosa named Casey Kutsaki. You might want to get him up and see what you can do. And I was just like, wow, I never knew this. So I go on Facebook. I, you know, I do some research, find the guy. And, you know, since then, I hit it off with him. Like, he and I just trained nonstop from sun up to sundown that's awesome i can the times where we were trained and to you know help develop the course that he put up in his backyard i would it's actually um and i'm an an electrician by trade so Mm -hmm. found out a way to really help enhance his course was to you know install lights and other electrical systems onto it so that really helped know make things a lot better for this course and it just really brought us together to train and have the camaraderie so question then when you, when you got the call that says you're going to be on the show you had what about two months before they filmed it two to three months so during that time did you pretty much focus solely on the ninja training or were you still having your martial arts blended within that well yes i mean i will always train in martial arts okay it is my career path Okay. But yeah, with, you know, supplement that with, you know, just doing pull-up bars and, you know, working on different calisthenics. I would normally go to a, we have our Planet Fitness over here. I would normally do some of that within the mornings whenever I have the time to train and be at Tiger Rock in the evenings to really work on, that gives me time to work on balance. And then on weekends, I would, you know, get with Casey and we would train and, 
you know, review some obstacles that we're, you know, we would be expecting and, you know, what are some ways that we can do to understand the technique better and to go from there. Yeah, sounds like you had it planned out pretty well. So question for you, let's say someone approaches you, they've never done martial arts in their life and they want to get involved in martial arts and they just want, they're asking you, hey, what, what should I look for in a school? What should I look for in an instructor? What tips would you give them? Yeah, so I always, you know, look for, for us, I mean, again, it's really our community that, you know, really brings everybody together and inspires you to, you know, trade even harder. That's kind of, you know, that's, that's what we do within Tiger Rock is to really bring out the best of the student and to have that camaraderie there while you're training. So definitely look for a, you know, tight knit community with, you know, with the martial arts that you're trying to get into, you know, get to know people. And from there, you know, build those relationships to have, you know, various training partners to really help, iron, you know, the, the quote, iron sharpens iron, to really be able to have that person to help you along and go from there. Nice. Good answer. So in all your years of martial arts, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC? And are you a fan? Yes, I definitely do enjoy watching it. With our martial art and how we do things, it's really not intended to put somebody in a ring. Right. How we, you know, do go about training a student is really to help them use their minds to really understand, you know, situational awareness, going from school age students, you have bully awareness, you know, defense, and to be able to know those skills applicable to their levels to really have, you know, success with that and help help them build their own confidence with that as well. Nice. All right. Who are some names that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Whether it's people you've actually trained with, someone you just look up to, maybe it's like a someone like a Bruce Lee, a celebrity type person. Just who are you know two, three, four names that you would put on the top of your list? <laughs> that's that's a great question. Well, one my my instructor Michael Holt, he has really you know helped me grow so much throughout the process. Whenever I moved over to talk about Northport, mm-hmm. and you know having him really help get me on my career path to martial arts in a you know much better place, gave me a lot of instruction to have a successful mindset and approaching it. He will be one for sure. Okay. Again, Carl Shorter, best friend of martial arts. I always, always, always have looked up to him, which he's actually, he's actually gotten into MMA, oh. which is, which is really nice. Okay. He's located somewhere in California. So I'll be, be really looking forward to watching for him. But yeah, the, really, those are my top two at the moment. Okay, perfect. So is there one philosophy you've learned in all your years of martial arts training that just really comes to the top? It's it's one that's really important to you. Keep coming back to it. It's one you make sure you teach your students when you're teaching. Yeah, absolutely. My main thing I like to tell them is find out your why. Really find out what drives you, what motivates you to take the next step up, to really have that sense of strive within yourself to say, hey, I don't get this right. I'm just going to keep trying it again and again and again until I get this right. And to really have the students there, that really that really became my why. I want to have them, you know, like we always say within our martial art, we want to have our students become better than us. Oh, definitely. So that really will be my main philosophy for them. I mean, for really anybody, you know, find out your why. Okay. You find out your why. Everything else takes, you know, pretty much takes care of itself. Good answer. All right, got a few fun questions to wrap it up. Do you have a favorite martial arts book? 
favorite martial arts book. I am really big into ninjutsu, so nice. I'm gonna put this one out of there. It's the Boss and Shoe Guy. Oh, that's okay. favorite book of all time. Nice. It really just talks about you know ninja history and you know some of the tools and techniques and you know methods ninjas would yeah. employ when they would go on a mission or you know to gather information or things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I always so. That's that's my top book. Hey, that's a great answer. I like that. All right. Not, not sure if if you were ever a gamer or not, but do you have a favorite martial arts video game? <laughs> favorite martial arts video game. I am really big into Ninja Gaiden. Okay. Ninja Gaiden top one for me. You know, any really, you know, Dynasty Warriors, Mortal Kombat. Yep. All of those are really, you know, Tekken, Street Fighter. Uh, really Nice. Those are my games. Okay. How about a favorite martial arts TV show? Favorite martial arts TV show. I am also big into anime. So, okay. you know, the Naruto's favorite anime of all time for me would be Samurai Shampoo. So nice. I really love that one. Okay, good, good. How about a favorite martial arts movie? Favorite martial arts movie. I really love the Ip Man series. So, yes. you know, really that portrays martial arts in such a great sense to, you know, serving, you know, helping your community, building community, and, you know, just serving everybody else. Yeah. And Donnie Yen does such an amazing job in those movies. It's so good to watch. It's all, it's all favorite martial arts of all the time. Oh, nice. Cool. All right. And this final question, this one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie. It can be, but it doesn't have to be just a, a favorite movie fight scene. Hmm. Favorite fight scene. I would always love the visuals of Demon Slayer. So that's a popular anime right now. Okay. So just, you know, sword fighting techniques. And I always, you know, I'm such a huge nerd for those things. Whenever I do my forms with my swords, I would incorporate that in some way. Also nice. with, uh, I have those, you know, the fire swords. So, hey, that kind of goes hand in hand. Very cool. I like that. That's definitely in the anime. That's cool. <laughs> Some good answers. Some stuff that hasn't been said yet. So I, I like when we get new answers. So, all right. And then before I let you go, anything else you want to me- you want to mention just to make sure we get out there. And, and like I said, I'll put links for all of your stuff, your website, your social media. Once we get the show out, I'll put all that out there, but anything else you want to mention before I let you go? Absolutely. So to anybody else that's listening to this, you know, if you're applying for American Ninja Warrior, you know, my thing for you is yes, it is going to be a long road, my advice to you, again, don't quit. Find out your why. You know, why do you want to be a part of this? And develop that. Have that stride. Get in touch with the members. So I'm namely one of those as well. Feel free to contact me on Instagram or get with my, you know, on my website at tkdninjacollins.com. And I like to, I really like to, you know, help others find that in themselves as well. That's great. And I, I remember that I mean, a couple of years back, there was a, I can't remember whose name now. I should know it because I'm such a fan of the show, but there was a guy, I want to say he did, he did like the walk online like three or four years in a row and never got picked, never got picked. And then finally the one time, the one year they picked him and he, he made the, he made uh, the finals. <laughs> it's like he made stage one. It's like, dang. <laughs> so you just never know. I mean, don't, don't give up. And if it's something you really want to do, keep going. With martial arts too. I mean, just with anything, don't, you know, don't give up. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I definitely, I, I want to stay in touch. Cause if you, if you run again next year, I'm going to be cheering for you for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, like I said, I'll keep, keep track of your, your social media and stuff. And if you do go on again, we'll, I'll promote it on there and 
hopefully get more people to watch. But I, I, I love watching the show, and I just, I loved your attitude on there, and and I just I, that's that's the whole reason I reached out. I mean, it's I could I could tell you were a good guy. I mean, there's you know some guys you know most of the guys on there are, but every now and then I, I've met some people who are kind of jerks and stuff. And, and I, I, I could tell right away you weren't. So <laughs> that, that's a good thing. I just, you know, keep, you know, keep being who you are and keep this up and, and continued success. And, and if you ever get into any, uh, tournaments or any martial arts tournaments up in the Minnesota area and you know, let me know, I'll, I'll come cheer you on for sure. So sweet, absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, yeah, I will let you go now. You have a, have yourself a good evening and it was a pleasure talking to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate that. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.